1: Seria Chronicles is a Bayard Chronicles
0: production.
1: Hello and welcome to the Q&A Seria Chronicles podcast where we listen and answer the questions that you have kindly sent us. As always, I am joined by Nikki Bantini. Hello, Nikki. It's been a while. It's been
0: so long. It's been so long that you've had uh, a, a whole, not just one child, meaning you've had lots of children in the meantime. And I can hear them in the background if you
1: your. This is what happens when we record a pod after Valentine's Day.
0: <laughs> right, just children. That's how it works, kids. <laughs>
1: Yes, it only takes five days for the gestation. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what, what direction have we taken this? I do apologize. <laughs> um, but actually, our first question is a really interesting one, Nikki, because it is a voice one.
0: Exciting. Uh, we
1: have uh, Evan Sardo from Rochester, Rochester, New York. Yoo-hoo! Hello to our American listeners. Um, And he is a Chronicles Tifoso, a Patreon member, so obviously he has top billing. Thank you so much for your support, Evan. And he has uh, left us a question and uh, we can actually hear his voice. So take it away, Evan.
0: Hello, Mina and Nikki. My name is Evan. I'm a proud new Tifoso, And I have a question for you about Sassuolo, who I find very curious this year. Uh, I've watched them play probably five or six times, and they've looked brilliant every time. Uh, Based on what I've seen, they look like one of the top sides in Serie A, but they've obviously had several poor results, and they're pretty firmly mid-table. So I'm wondering, who is the real Sassuolo, and what do you think is more likely for their future? Is this a club set up for a long mid-table existence, or can they do more? Thank you. I think it's a really uh, interesting question um, because I I really enjoy watching Sassuolo as well, Evan. I I find them a really fun uh, team to watch. They're definitely not um, purely talent wise. One of the, the top, top teams in Serie A. They're not, um, Blessed on a level that, that, um, some of the richer clubs are. And that's not surprising because they are not anywhere near the wealth of a, of a Milan or an Inter, but they have some really interesting, uh, young talent in, in that side. Uh, obviously. Um, there's, there's sort of the, the, the big name, I guess, of Domenico Berardi, who's not that young anymore, but you've got Raspadori and you've got Scamacca, the two sort of young Italian forwards that lots of people have been looking to and talking about as, as maybe even the players who could save Italy's uh, World Cup qualification hopes. I'm not so sure about that, but both of them in very different ways, these young, interesting um uh, centre forwards, one of them, Raspadori, sort of much more uh, smaller, quicker, all of that is his footwork. Scamacca, big imposing number nine of the classic moulds. But then you've also got Davide Fratesi in midfield, who's another really interesting player who's been emerging and, and playing really well at times this season. And you've also got uh, Maxime Lopez, who again, not he's in, not as old as, as Berardi, but um he's he's still in his early 20s, but he's another young player who's been really interesting in developing. And I think that that almost to some extent. Um, you can keep going down the list. There's more than just those players, but, but that's almost sort of the, the, the headline with Sassuolo is young, interesting players, abundantly talented players, but young players with limited experience of, of, of top level games. And that's why you get inconsistent performance from them. You get performances that can be really, really strong because they are very uh, talented group who took, I felt like some of these players took some big steps forward under Roberto Deserbi, who's the previous manager, who was absolutely an empower your players, Gasperini sort of school of management, but with far less attention to defending, which says something because Gasperini has at times been accused of, of not putting enough attention in that area. And now they're working under another young manager, Dionisi, who's taking them in a slightly different, not drastically different direction, but perhaps a slightly more controlled direction and, and continuing to develop them. I think that they are a really fun and uh and talented team to watch, and because they've got all this young precocious talent, they can mix it with the big teams they're not um ready to be one of the big teams themselves yet but just to, to sort of answer the broader question of 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 i guess um what is the sort of uh structural possibility of of Susswater, they're a really well run club they're one of the the earliest clubs to get its own um purpose-built stadium in Serie A. They are a club that is backed by some some real money because Mape is, um, uh, the Ma- Mape group who effectively and the club are a industrial adhesive company that is global, that has lots and lots of money behind it. And they run in a sound, not reckless way based on developing young players and selling them for the right price and, and having a, a long-term idea of how you sustain a smaller football club from a a, a not huge Town in the end, in the end of things. So they're a really good model of a of a well run club, um, in my opinion, one of the best run clubs in Italy. Uh, but they're not set up to be, uh, I suppose, a, a consistent challenger to Milan or Inter. Having said that, you would have made exactly the same argument about Atalanta and look how they're hanging around in the top four these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I guess one thing you can say about At- Atalanta is that they've always had this great academy that they've always heavily mm-hmm. leaned on. Um, and that's, but they have a small budget. But they're, again, a, a well run side that is de- dependent on growing and developing youth. But let's be honest, Gian Piero Gasparini changed their fortunes around and he really has given them the reputation that they've had now for the past few seasons in the sense that they challenge, obviously not just in Serie yeah, but in Europe too. But for the case of Sassuolo, it's different because I do actually, I, I think that's just such a great point about them being such a well-managed club. It is that. It is the fact that everyone shares their duties. There is. A, it's run like a corporation. Where nobody interferes with any task so head of sporting um you know you have a a person who makes the transactions and and negotiates the deals you have a person scouter you have a person who who takes those scouts and and then takes it, develops it further there is a clear idea of what saswola want from their players on the type of talents they're looking for where they scout how um what they're looking for exactly and how they can managed to ensure balance on a squad level overall and I think what's important about them is they like young Italian talent when it comes to um their players but also when it comes to their coaches and they did a terrific job and they were brilliant under Eusebio Di Francesco who who has gone on to potentially not as much success really ever since leaving Sassuolo he's managed some good things such as Roma in the Champions League but largely he is disappointed as a coach um Deserbi is, is, is a man who developed them even further. There was a lot of plaudits for the way that he played his football and for the talents that he managed um, to really develop and extract the quality of the likes of Locatelli, even more so from the likes of Verardi and especially Raspadori. He's gone on to Shakhtar and he's the man who had 70% possession over Inter yet didn't manage a single goal. So I do have my criticisms of this man <laughs> because he took too many defensive risks. And now under Dionisi, again, I think they are a side that's obviously always, it. it there is a, a problem there in the sense that Sassuolo are never going to be a team that knows how to shut up shop very well at the back. I t- think they've always been a team that take a lot of defensive risks, which works for them because they bank on attacking fluidity, and that is very much their philosophy But it's amazing that they have a philosophy that you know very well when Sassuolo plays that that's Sassuolo, that it develops slightly and has changed and and it's a little bit more pragmatic and vertical under Dionysi. But this is amazing for a club that as a town, is it comes from a small town, but has already earned itself a reputation, is very much viewed as a tough opponent, not in the same way as when you face other sides in, in Italy who have perhaps had longer histories and have managed to accomplish more over over their time period in in um in the league. So it is remarkable what Sassuolo have managed with the budget that they have. And I think most importantly that they've given us so much Italian talents to pick from, whether it's been Locatelli or right now everyone is chasing Scamacca, everyone's chasing Fratesi, everyone is chasing um Raspadori so they and of course Berardi everyone would love it if they would give him up and and Ferrari even though he got a red card against Roma, a lot of eyes on him as well as a defender they believe in Italian talent they develop it well and they make the most of what they have but I don't I think they are a side that right now has ambition to just keep growing and seeing where that takes them you know sometimes it is Simply like, you know, getting a coach like Gasparini who puts you on the map or but they would like to do it, you know, the the sort of grassroots level. We start small, we make money, we keep building, we keep building until we are a mainstay and then see what happens from there on. And I think it's an excellent way and, and perhaps something that other teams can learn from.
0: Yeah, I, I think just to add on to that, you know, I'd add, I guess, because again, people don't necessarily have this context in terms of when we talk about a small town. So, Swallow itself is literally, um, a, a town of like 40,000 people. Um, the stadium, though, is actually in Reggio Emilia, which is, uh, just, I suppose, half an hour up the road, uh, which is about 120,000 people. Um, you might draw some of your fan base as well from Modena, which is, again, same sort of distance away. And that's another, 150,000 people, maybe, but Modena has its own football team. So we've, we're really talking yeah. about something very different to, um, for instance, Milan or, or, or Inter being in, in such a big city, Roma or, or even Turin, you know, the big cities of Italian football. This is not that. This is, um, it's quite close to Bologna and even Bologna is, is much, much bigger. Uh, so, so it's, it's very much a, a small population that, that's represented in this club, but, um, certainly uh, an overachieving uh, group in that regard. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Check out our new sponsor, betterhelp.com forward slash this is our first uh, specific sponsor for the Serial Chronicles podcast, and I have to say, I'm, I'm really happy that it is because counseling is something that I I really believe in. Like I have had counseling at different times myself. Um, I admit that I didn't come to it until my until my 30s, but um, for different things at different times, I found it to be a, a really beneficial thing. Just having someone outside your bubble to talk to and 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 share those experiences with, and I think that. Probably now more than ever, actually, um, with everything that's gone on in the pandemic, there's probably quite a lot of people uh, who've been quite stuck in their own bubble. And so um, I don't know how you feel about this, Mina. I think counselling can be a, a really good thing to do.
1: Yes, I think it's, it's a place where you feel you're free of judgment. Uh, you can talk to somebody who can, really, it's almost just like having a friend. I mean, Better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you'll you'll connect in a, in a safe and what you will hopefully feel as a private online environment. It's convenient, and you can start communicating in under forty hours. Um, this isn't you know just a, a sort of a crisis line. It's not self help. It's professional counselling done securely online. And if you are having any troubles, and and frankly speaking, it's like you said. I mean, it's. Nowadays it is a tougher environment that we're all living in. We have so much more expected of us. We are being squeezed all the time. And and some of us would just appreciate a safe haven to talk to somebody outside of that world.
0: Yeah. I think for me, like it was a really big thing was just realizing like sometimes you have thoughts in your head that for whatever reason you're not willing to say to people who actually know you. And when you have counseling, you can say things to those people. Feeling free of the consequence of what you've been scared of saying things to people for is, is often like, um, well, scared can be any, any reason you just don't want to talk about something. Absolutely. They have licensed professional counselors on betterhelp.com. Uh, they specialize in, in all sorts of areas, depression, stress, anxiety, grief, um, LGBT matters, uh, sleeping trauma. Um, anything you share is going to be completely confidential. Again, these are licensed counselors, completely professional. And affordable.
1: So I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelpcom Seria. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's slash Seria.
0: Mina, next question. We've got a, a, a big one from. Victoria Giordano. It's, it's kind of a double question. Victoria Giordano, who is another Chronicles...
1: Victoria, you're greedy. Tifosa. <laughs>
0: she's a Jersey girl from New
1: Jersey.
0: <laughs> Which is, it's kind of a double question. So i tell you what I'm going to do is I'll read the question and you can answer part one. I'll answer part two. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds
1: great.
0: Victoria writes, hi, Nikki and Mina. First off, I've been listening to you both since your 30 awesome days. I'm so excited you've continued. Thank you, Victoria. So are we. Um, My question is, if the Seven Sisters can only sign one player each summer, each one player each this summer, not each summer, uh, who should it be? And also, a Celia B question, Uh, who do you think will come up next season and who do you want to come up? They don't have to be. Uh, the same answer. For anyone who's wondering what Seven Sisters is, Seven Sisters is sort of the, the seven, I suppose, big clubs. There was a historical group in the 90s, which is actually slightly different. Um, in this case, I would imagine that, that certainly that we're, we're referring to the top seven teams in the league right now, frankly, which is uh, Milan, Inter, Napoli, Atalanta, Juventus, Lazio and Roma.
1: Not Atalanta. So Juventus Milan into Roma. Fior- oh, so Fiorentina is no longer part. Well, that's
0: a good question, yeah. isn't it? Fiorentina, that's yeah, and that's
1: and that's because historically uh, Napoli wasn't even on it either. Of course, historically, it was Parma. Yeah. So, would the new one feature Fiorentina? Atalanta as a and not Atalanta.
0: Atalanta is as, as a team who are in the Champions League every year. Have to. Well, the sisters now know. To me, they are.
1: Well, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you there. I would say it would probably be the… Club
0: is La Dea, Amina. She's a goddess. Of course, she's one of the sisters.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I would say, yeah, the, the current top five plus the, the two Roman clubs, you know, Lazio and Roma. Yeah, so who- I agree with that. If okay, they're going so to sign go one on player this
0: summer, yeah. Who, who, would you, who would you be thinking of? I suppose maybe even positions, I suppose, at this point. It might be quite early for specifics.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have uh, like names because obviously it would depend on what's realistic and what's a dream and, and what kind of answer you're looking for. Um, but I would say probably a role that is important for them. I think that if we are talking about Juventus, it would need to be a midfielder for me, um, somebody that has the quality of what they've been missing, somebody who can hold the ball in direct play. If we can somehow bring Pirlo, I think that would be a fantastic (laughs) patch. But but I don't know how many Pirlo's exist nowadays. But um, I would say actually for a lot of the top teams, it would be interesting to have that type of player right now. Um, For Milan, I would like them to have somebody to take over from Ibrahimović and Giroud. I think they have a wonderful midfield. I think they have two excellent centre-backs. Um, even if Kayed is getting on a bit, but him and Tomori, and even really what they've managed to accomplish since I love Calabria and um, Teo Hernandez have done excellent jobs on the wings. Benacer, Tonali, they are going to lose Kessier. So I think that's an important person to bring in is somebody like Kessier who... Is um, who has the physical presence, but also the ability to play a good pass. So a midfielder is very important, but so I think is there's a striker because I don't think you can depend on Ibrahimovic for very much longer, and I'm not that secure of what Giroud can do on a consistent basis. So um, I I think perhaps that is even more important right now than the midfield. But let's see what does happen in that uh in that department there, because they need more than just one purchase, but so do Yube. Inter, Inter are very complete. Again, mm-hmm. though, I do struggle in the sense that they do have four forwards, but sometimes I worry with them that I don't see there being a consistent goal scorer. I think they are still quite dependent on Edin Jekko, and he is 35 years old. And no matter how much, Nzagi sits there and says, you know, I have four that I can choose and rotate from, you do have Lautaro Martinez being young and inconsistent. And so I think that's a that's an issue because that, that's normal for his age. But you do need, you know, a Lukaku. And Dzeko has been wonderful. But going forward, there needs to be somebody else. I think they've managed to address the Perisic problem with Gosens. Um, I do think they have uh, Brozovic and Chalinoglu and and. and They are going to be signed on. So I don't think there's a problem there. And of course, what then happens, it's about the centre-backs. Danocchi has done a good job, but De De Devry, Scrinia and Bastoni are amazing. And yet De is not as amazing this season. He has had a lot of dips. We've obviously seen the huge mistake against Napoli. And I feel like he is in decline and probably going to leave. So that's also something worth addressing for me. I would look to that first and foremost. Um... If I could really then choose, I would. I would try to find somebody that can take over from um, really just a consistent goal scorer up front, really, and uh, they probably will get that in either Skamaka or they are looking at quite a few, maybe even Dubala. Um, then let's go with atalanta should we you see atalanta for me are a very difficult team because they, they need everything but then they do nothing does that make sense <laughs> you know like
0: casperini will find someone behind the sofa it won't matter
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like the, the, they, they are the kind of team who like look at the change in the sofa and go and buy themselves like a, a meal in a top michelin star restaurant so they are literally the side that just doesn't need anything but I would say um, somebody to replace Gosin. This is important or somebody who can at least give on both levels, on a sporting level and also in a dressing level. Like he was, he's just such a leader and that must be such a loss. But frankly speaking, you need a player with a little bit more experience who can resolve games from a creative point of view because I do think um, that they miss that kind of, of power that Illichich has. Um, and oh my God, you know this is the third week in a row where I forget his name. Who? The one who went to (laughs) Sevilla. Papu Gomez. His name is always the one I forget. If you notice in every podcast, I mention him and how much I miss him. And I always never remember his name. (laughs) Thank God he's not my, you know, former husband or anything. But anyway, (laughs) Papu Gomez, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, to resolve some games like against Liverpool, you know, you always had that ability to go to Papu Gomez and to go to Illich because of the quality that they had because of that super... I don't know, super touched so that they could bring their intelligence, their understanding of space, their understanding of of, of the trajectory of the ball. It, it's just another level of intelligence that they have alongside Juvan Zapata. And we are looking right now at, at- Atalanta that has Zapata injured, illatrish not obviously always available because of certain mental health issues and Papu Gomez is no longer there. So there, that is the most important role to fill is to bring somebody of that intellect, of that intelligence, um, to, to give them that special edge in the big games, and then for Roma midfielder, uh, I think they need a director manager. I I also just <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna get so I'm gonna get killed it.
0: for this, aren't I? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Mina. I I should take you. By the way, I'm in awe at this. You're managing to do all no, seven. I'm in awe. No.
1: <laughs> would you would you would you bring back the old one, Fonseca? Yeah. I I think
0: he was a If doing you had a, a chance job.
1: now, would you still do that change?
0: It's it's not, you know, it's not my club. But yeah, I, I, I think Vonseca was doing a better job. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. So come for me, trolls. Come <laughs> for me as well. You know, change the manager. But they've got a lot of attackers. So I definitely think that they could do with the more quality midfielders and not, not be Xhaka. And Lazio, what do you think with Lazio? Somebody who can actually replace Immobilio when he's injured and doesn't have to play every single match? Oh, yeah okay, that's where I'd go
0: yeah that's an interesting question isn't it because or of course yes yeah well I mean yeah. every team I think they probably have never quite got an on the same level replacement for De Vrij, have they but I am um, I think mm-hmm. um it's 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 interesting actually because yes my instinct is a, a replacement in there but how will Sakanyi pan out now that um now that he's becoming more of a sort of forward player, although he's still going to be playing wide. I think another centre forward for sure would not would not go amiss, of course. They they said goodbye to Correa in the summer uh, as well. Yeah. Did you have any more, Mina? I I feel like you've you've just uh, had to... A-
1: no, for Napoli, I would just say somebody along the lines of who can replace Lorenzo Insigne, because I think they're pretty stacked everywhere else, really. So just another creative role, because obviously Dries Mertens is not going to be there either, so... Another creative figure that can play out on the wing because he has been very trustworthy and a reliable figure for them.
0: Right, I'll do, I'll try and do a quick answer on City of B because um, uh, Victoria, we love you, but we feel like we've given you a lot of this this episode, and then we've got one more question I want to get to as well. I think who's going to come up is is still too early to know. The top of the City of B table is quite um, uh, close at the moment. There's I think two points between the top four, and then Monza just behind them as well. Leicestershire have been leading for a little bit. Uh, they had a big collapse at the end of last season that cost them um but they're certainly well positioned and uh Brescia are really interesting at the moment under people Zaghi. Massimo Cellino the Brescia um president tried to fire Inzaghi only for <laughs> Inzaghi to sort of show up in his office and say you know there's a clause in my contract where it says like I mean no you can't but there's like a a big financial uh Payoff you have to give me if you find me while we're in the top eight of the league, which by the way tells you about what the expectations were when he was signed. Like top eight was viewed as good. Right now they're fourth. And Cherlina, having already lined up his next manager to the point of getting the the first assistant was the first assistant was already down at the training ground checking things out, suddenly had to backtrack and go, actually, I don't fancy giving you that golden handshake, so you're still the manager. So if pressure can survive. <laughs> The madness that is Cellino as their owner. Uh, maybe Pip Buenza, you can, can bring them back up. Um, Monza are also super interesting because, of course, Silvio Berlusconi is in charge there. And, um, you know, we talk. you asked the question of which we'd want to come up. I am. Um, not keen to make this a political podcast, but I just want to say politically, no interest in seeing Goni anywhere near Italian politics again, anytime. But as a journalist who likes writing colorful stories, would that be a fun story to cover him being back in football at the top level? Of course it would. So a little bit of me selfishly thinks that would be a fun story to cover, um, journalistically. The other one, which selfishly I might want, um, back who are also in the mix, Pisa, but that has to do with more the fact that we're talking about a part of the country that I'm very fond of, near to Sassuolo and Bologna, by the yeah. way, that's a part of the country that I've spent a lot of my summers in because my dad is from a small town in Emilia-Romagna. So I will never be sad to have more teams in that part of Italy uh, in the Italian top flight. Um, so lots of fun options actually in Cidia B, and we'll keep an eye on that as we get towards the business end of the season and keep you updated.
1: Wow, well done to answering that question. <laughs> Check you out. Which one do you want to go up? So you think pizza? yeah?
0: I love the idea of Pisa and Syria. Yeah. Um Journalistically, I, I think Monza ones that would be fun to cover. I think that would be a fun story to, to, to write about and talk about.
1: Okay, I think we have one for a time for a quick third one, which I think, uh, well, we've addressed on the whole, but it is from Patrick. And he says, a thank you from this Milan f- fan located in Salt Lake, Utah. Well, hello again. Um, <laughs> how far off is Milan? I love the way that you sort of laugh when I say stuff like this. How far off is Milan from Inter? Is it just one or two players or is there more to it? I am going to say that this question came in obviously before Milan had uh, reached the summit of Serie a, And it was a question that we kept thinking we've got, we got to answer this. We've got to answer this. Um, and here at this via seriachronicles.com. But I think overall, when we're talking about right now into look like the formidable side and Milan is sort of, you know, trying to challenge how far off are they? What do you think? Um, is it a case of a couple of players or do you think there's, there's a more of a financial issue there?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's a really sort of, um, tricky thing to ping down in one sense, I think, because, When the two teams were on the pitch together in the derby most recently, Milan won. But as I was saying on the, on the main podcast this week, I thought that Inter looked like the better team noticeably. I thought in terms of the quality of play, the cohesion, I thought Inter just played better football. Um, and it was kind of this weird quirk that Milan were then, um, bailed out in a sense by a player who hasn't been that integral for them for most of the season. Giroud, who (laughs) has lots of quality. He's someone who's, I think, probably been underappreciated in his career overall, but who has um, not been central to who Milan are this season, who saves them. I think Milan are going to or at least can continue to get better without signing anyone, actually, if we talk about one or two players, because they've got so many young players who are moving in the right direction. You've got um, Liao, who I've raved about on the main podcast. You've got Sandro Tonali. You've got Mike Menon. Um, There's one or two who may not be there next season. I think Frank Kessier, there's a lot of us expect him to move on this summer. There was talk of that happening as soon as January. Uh, but but there's, there's growth that's going to happen, continue to happen naturally. I think probably... At some point, if Milan want to make the step to being back at, ready to compete every season for the Scudetto, ready to fight in the Champions League, stand toe-to-toe with the big teams, probably they do need, not a lot, but they need one or two of those signings that, um, and I don't mean you have to go out and sign someone for 75 million euros, like Juventus did either, by the way, but you need to make a couple of smart, high-quality signings to, to add... Um, that little bit of metal to the young group. And you've already done that, I guess, by, you're trying to do that by bringing in Ibrahimovic and Giroud, these experienced players. But I think maybe you need that, the equivalent of that, but like 27, 28 instead of 40 yeah. is kind of what I think this yeah. team needs to make that last step. But I, I think they're going to continue getting better, even as they are. And look, despite when they were on the same pitch as Inter looking to me like a worse team than Inter, they're ahead of Inter right now. And I think it's entirely possible they win the league this season. So there's not much in it at all.
1: No, there really isn't much in it. But it is for me. Um, it's not a case of one or two players. I think it is. It's exactly like what Nikki says. It's more of like a, a sort of a financial thing in the sense that it's important when we talk about Ashraf and Romelu Lukaku and Antonio Conte. They are two guarantees that help you win a title because it is to win a title, there are just so many aspects. But what purely has done is close the gap between the likes of Inter and Juventus who can spend that kind of money to Milan because he's created that wonderful team ethic and produced excellent tactical schemes in which really Milan can score from any which way you want them to. They are a very fluid side. Um, and that obviously, like just, just like we saw again, the manager against Doria, it was a long throw, um, perfect distribution from a goalkeeper rather. To have lay run onto it and score a goal, so he has managed to close the gap, but you do find that the team is working much harder than any other teams in order to always guarantee their place and and sometimes it's that is difficult to do for a number of years, and that's why money needs to be invested. But for me, I don't know if I can say, yeah, it is obviously smart investments, but I do think i I feel like it does need to be sort of a sixty million pound player. Um, and I think it's somebody who has won or is accustomed to winning um, that can make the difference because Brahim Diaz is wonderful, Leao is wonderful, Sam, you know um, Mack is whoever you want to mention, but consistency is key. And obviously there's not always going to be somebody who will produce that unless it's somebody who's produced that over a while. So it is having sort of a veteran and somebody who makes the difference but who is still young enough to be able to provide the consistency and the availability required that Ibrahimovic and Giroud cannot do at the moment. Um, So it is, for me, it's a question of money. Uh, Right now they're they're just working their socks off to try to close the gap and I do think that they have the chance of winning this title. It's not beyond them just yet. But if they are a team that want to compete in all competitions, they need to have squad depth. They need to be able to take off a player and introduce another one in the way that Juventus can and Inter can. And so that is the special, the special salt. Because Napoli do have a perfect system. They have had excellent players all along, many of which play for their national teams. But the truth of the matter is, is that you know it, you do sort of need to keep your Cavani's at the times when you are chasing um, the big titles, and that when you are facing the likes of of Liverpool, that you do have. Pen- to, to provide more consistency to those results and show and transfer that dominance that you can manage over certain teams like Doria over to obviously other sides. So I guess money, but that will come. And right now, the way that the team is built and has progressed, I think it's sensational work from everyone involved. So I love the way that they are building themselves. So maybe just a little, little bit of patience and we'll see what happens.
0: I couldn't agree more, Mina. Uh, That's all we've got time for guys on this week's Q and A episode. Uh, We do hope you enjoyed it with us. Uh, Please do check out our website at cityairchronicles.com and click that chronicles 2 button. If you would like to join our Patreon community where you can get access to exclusive episodes and bonus content, or you can contribute a smaller amount as a supporter uh, just to help us Carry on doing what we're doing and making this podcast uh, because um, we really love doing it. But it does need a little bit of funding as well to make a podcast like this happen. Uh, please do keep getting your questions into us on Twitter at City with the hashtag Chronicles Q and A, or go to our website to send us an email or a voice message, like we heard uh, in this week's episode. I really enjoyed that, so please do send us voice messages if you would like to, and we can put the audio straight on into the show find both of us on Twitter at Mina Rizuki, at Nikki Bandini. Uh, subscribe to this area at Chronicles YouTube channel for clips of the show. Um, if you would like to see me drinking tea and Mina reapplying her lipstick, as we were saying earlier, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as long as it's going to be a good one. That's all for now. We will see you next week.
1: i'm i am i'm just really terrible multitasker so most of the time i'm reading my notes on the mat yeah and uh, i am like the world's poorest excuse for a woman so i can only do one thing at a time usually. So. hello Anna. welcome is i can hear the kids screaming oh they're back <laughs> they just came back from that little day out it's four though why is no one coming to pick them up anyway Hello and welcome to the Q and A Chronicles podcast, Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: 18 plus.